Okay, open up to First Chronicles 22. First Chronicles 22. And uh, once you're there, we'll go ahead and pray. All right, everyone there? First Chronicles 22? Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, Lord, this uh, opportunity to gather together to get into your word. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, um, whenever we open up your word, you, you want to do something special and unique. Uh, there should never be a time that we come to your word with any less of an expectation. Uh, so I pray, God, that this morning that you would move in our midst Lord, that you would have your way in our hearts, and Lord, that um, that Lord, you would speak to us specifically, individually, Lord, and, and encourage us and uh, exhort us. God, correct us. I pray, God, that you would train us in righteousness, Lord, so that we can live lives that are pleasing to you, God, that glorify you. Lord, for that, uh, we thank you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. 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 Does my voice sound odd? I feel I feel odd. Gil, you look like you're you're doing magic back there. Um, I feel less odd now. So whatever you've done, beautiful work, my friend. Um, you're fantastic. So uh, this message uh, will will be somewhat uh, short and simplistic. Um, uh, all, uh, all all sermons penned at midnight tend to be that way, um, right? So uh, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to level with you right from the beginning. Um, uh, it, I had this really nice thing planned for you. Um, and, and actually, uh, I'll be completely honest with you, I had three nice things planned for you. I spent a week working on all of them. Um, and, and one of them was, uh, was the, this, this message about putting on Christ. I was going to bring a sweater it's a good illustration, this sweater. It's a beautiful sweater. It's a green sweater. Actually, it's not beautiful. It's actually kind of hideous. But to me, it's beautiful. It's, it's weathered and frayed and just magnificent. Yeah, Miles, he knows. He saw the sweater in the bedroom. Um, and and it, just, it felt like the, the wrong message. It didn't feel like it was fit for uh, th- this occasion. Um, so I, I went on a walk last night to clear my head. Um, and and I, don't, I don't usually do that. Right? I'm not like the walking type. Um, but, but, but it was, uh, it was around midnight and I couldn't focus long enough to write anything down. Uh, so, so I went on this walk and, and th- there's something, there's something about walking at midnight, uh, that, that, that makes you just inherently, I was talking to, to Boo about this this morning when she woke up. She was like, what happened last night? I was like, I was walking. And, uh, and there's something about walking at midnight that makes you inherently feel, uh, like, like a serial killer. Um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just roaming the streets, and uh, you know, and everyone's asleep, and uh, occasionally their their head would appear in a window, and they would just look at me like I don't, I don't trust you, and I'm like you shouldn't. I'm walking at midnight. I, I clearly I have an agenda. Um, so, uh, but but I nonetheless I set out, and um, you know I uh, I didn't really have a, a plan, um, so I just uh, I, I grabbed my wife's flip flops, and out the door I went, and. Uh, <laughs> And I walked just just through through the valleys and over the the, the mountain ranges and and I ended up at 26th Street. 
um, which to some of you sounds like incredibly far. It's like, oh my, you're 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 quite a. That's two two blocks from my house, actually. But but uh, and I and I don't recommend uh, walking in women's shoes. It was a bad idea, uh, right from the beginning. I knew that it was I was off to a bad start. Um, but but I, I I was I was at 26th Street. And, and if you haven't been to 26th Street at midnight, uh, you're missing something. Right? It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I was overlooking the entire valley, uh, lit up l- like Christmas, and just, you know, it was a wonderful time in absolute isolation to just, uh, j- j- just pray to God and to praise God and, and just to enjoy uh, His creation and, and j- just marvel in the lot of it. And, 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 and it, was, it, was a, it was a wonderful time of, of meditation. And, uh, and, and before I left, because I had to leave, there was a couple that pulled up in a Honda, and they looked like they wanted to be alone. Um, so, so eventually I had to leave. Um, but, but before I left, I, I, I wrote down these, these notes in, in, my, in, in my Evernote on my uh, iPhone. And so uh, that, that's the, the sermon uh, that, that I want to share this morning with you. A fairly simplistic one. Uh, but, but nonetheless, three points that, that I believe are, are beneficial. Um, I, lately, I've been thinking a lot about parenting. Right? And two of the three things that I was working on uh, over the, the, the span of last week were about parenting. And I feel odd speaking to you about parenting. I've never, I've never tried it uh, before. Uh, and I don't, I don't feel qualified to do it. I, Miles is uh, 11 months old in a couple of days. So I'm, like, I'm, I'm kind of qualified to do it. But, but so many of you, you know, parents for years, grandparents even, um, you know so much more uh, about parenting than I do. Um, and so a conversation would be incredibly beneficial with, with you. But, um, but nonetheless, here we are. Um, I, I know a little bit about discipleship. Right? I've been a youth pastor uh, for, for many years and kind of off and on, and now I'm in this, this weird purgatory of youth pastoring. Um, but uh, but we're, we're going to re, re, restart things, I guess. Um, but Sam will have to talk about that uh, later. I'm the first generation of, of a Christian father in my family. So it's all new to me, and it's, and it's odd for me. I don't really know what, what I'm supposed to do. Um, uh, so so uh, I, I, I've been scouring the scriptures, uh, trying to figure out what, uh, what a Christian father does. And, and, and walking the, the streets, roaming San Antonio Heights at midnight, uh, agonizing over this this question, and and uh, d- discipleship makes sense to me, right? Uh, but fatherhood, although I love it, I'm terrified of it, and I feel like it's too great a thing for me to do successfully. Um, and and so you know, I was up there uh, looking over the valley and and trying to ignore the the, the Honda, and, um, and and God seemed to say uh, t- to me. Um, just think, think about discipling a person that won't go away. And, and, and I like that idea. I like that idea. Um, 
So that, that's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna kind of talk about today. We're gonna talk about the, the cross section of parenthood and discipleship. And, and I think that, I think that there are two sides of the same coin because, uh, discipleship and, and parenthood, they're both essentially parenting. Just one is physical and one is spiritual. But nonetheless, we're called to do both of them. Well, maybe not necessarily for all of you. Maybe some of you are called to be single for the rest of your lives. And, I don't want to say that's sad, but maybe that's your calling. Uh, but but we're called to disciple nonetheless, right? So that's something that, that we're, we're, we need to undertake. Uh, so this morning we're going to discuss principles for discipleship, but they're really principles for parenting also. And, and you know, uh, the conclusion of this message uh, was, was at three, or 2 a.m. The continuation of it was at 5 a.m., uh, so you can do the math and see how much sleep I've had. So if a lot of this doesn't, it maybe it come together... Just go with me. It'll be an adventure. Um, so we'll see. Uh, discipleship is a mantle uh, that, that falls to us all. Scripturally, it's something that we're all called to undertake. According to Matthew 28, Jesus said, go into all the world and make uh, disciples. This raising up of the, of the next generation of Christ followers, it's something that we are all individually and specifically mandated to engage in, right? This is, this is our uh, life, and, why the, uh, and either uh, formally or, or informally, it must be undertaken, and the neglect of discipleship is not only missing the mark scripturally, but it's missing uh, an opportunity to see uh, Jesus stirred uh, up and, and sanctified in a life. And, and that, uh, uh, the, 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 the neglect uh, of, the, of this thing that we're all called to take part in um, has eternal ramifications that are severe. Discipleship is something that I think many of us tend to shy away from. Right? If I said, uh, we're going to be undertaking discipleship here, how many of you would say, yes, me. Throw me in there, my hat's in the ring, I want to disciple. Right, and, 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 and Keith is vigorously shaking his head. Uh, no, not I. Keith, you're in sin. Because Jesus, <laughs> Jesus has said that, that we're all supposed to do this to one degree or another. It's something that we're all called unto. You can't shy away from it. I know many of us don't like to engage in it because it's a daunting task. We feel as if we're not qualified uh, to, to step into it. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I believe that, that since it is mandated according According to scripture, that, that Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. It's something that we should engage in. It's something that we should embrace. And we're going to talk about three points to do it. Now, I believe discipleship begins in the house, right? And then organically grows out of the house into the community, which is why I said there's this overlap between parenting and discipleship. So we're going to begin in the house as a disciple uh, disciple parent, a disciple-making parent, I guess I should say. And then we're going to go out of the house into the community, and then we're going to go down the streets of our community uh, to the uttermost parts of the world, as Jesus declared in Matthew 28 again. Uh, but we're going to meet first in the temple before we set out on our journey. And that's why we're in First Chronicles 22. Now, I'm going to read almost this entire chapter, which is a lot of reading. Right? And usually, um, when someone reads a lot, like publicly, it's a great opportunity to space out, right? <laughs> so you're like, okay, this is going to be reading. I'll think about, I don't know, like doodle jump 
or something. No one plays Doodle Jump anymore. I should have said a more relevant game. But I don't know what's relevant, like cell phone games. I don't play cell phone games. Um, but you're like, okay, well, I'll, uh, you, whatever. If, if, hone in, right? Because this is super important. I think that this is a chapter that we're familiar with, but it's something uh, that, that I think that there's something a little bit more happening here that we can embrace and we can consider uh, this morning. So First uh, Chronicles 22, uh, and, and it reads this way. Uh, Then uh, David said, the temple of the Lord God and the altar for Israel's burnt offerings will be built here. So David ordered all foreigners living in Israel to gather together. And from that group, David chose stonecutters to cut stones to be used in building the temple of God. David supplied a large amount of iron to be used for making nails and hinges for the gate doors. He also supplied more bronze than could be weighed, and uh, he supplied more cedar logs than could be counted. Much of the cedar had been brought to David by the people from Sidon and Tyre. David said, we should build a great temple for the Lord, which will be famous everywhere for its greatness and beauty. But my son Solomon is young. He hasn't yet learned what he needs to know, so I will prepare for the building of it. So David got many of the materials ready before he died. Then David called for his son Solomon and told him to build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to him, my son I want to build a temple for worshiping the Lord my God. But the Lord spoke his word to me. Uh, David, you killed too many people. You fought many wars. You can't build a temple for, or a temple for worship to me uh, because you've killed too many people. Uh, But you will have a son, a man of peace and rest. I will give him peace, uh, peace from all of his enemies around him. His name will be Solomon. And I will give Israel peace and quiet while he is king. Solomon will build a temple for worship to me. He will be my son and I will be his father. I will make his kingdom strong. Someone from his family will rule Israel forever. David said, Now, my son, may the Lord be with you. May you build a temple for the Lord your God, as he said you would. He will make you the king of Israel. May the Lord give you wisdom and understanding, so you will be able to obey the teachings of the Lord your God. Be careful to obey the rules and laws the Lord gave Moses for Israel. If you obey them, you will have success. Be strong and brave. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Solomon, I have worked hard getting many of the materials for building the temple of the Lord. I've supplied about seven and one half million pounds of gold, about 75 million pounds of silver, and so much bronze and iron can't be weighed in wood and stone. You may add to them. You have many workmen, stonecutters, bricklayers, carpenters, and people skilled in every kind of work. They are skilled in working with gold, silver, bronze, and iron. You have more craftsmen than can be counted. Now begin the work, and may the Lord be with you. And I love how David starts this chapter. He begins with this confident expectation. He says, this will happen. The temple of the Lord will be built here. And his dream was to build this temple for the Lord, but, but, but for his family and for the nation around him, for everyone to, to come and see, everyone that would come after him to enjoy. But God said, you can't do it. And I love you know, how blunt God is. You know, God says, you can't do it. You killed too many people, David. And I just imagine David just being like, oh, no, that's a, 
That's a bummer. Stop killing people. Um, but, but he was a man of war. You know, he had blood on his hands. And I always read this chapter and, and uh, in other chapters where this is discussed because it's discussed in several different books and, and accepted it at, at face value, intellectually understood it, and just kept on going uh, right on, you know, with, uh, with, with my life, not really giving it much consideration. Uh, but, but as I considered uh, this exchange, uh, I came to the conclusion that there's something more that's happening here. And it's that that I want to discuss with you because I, I, think, that, I think that there's a universal truth that's being communicated here. Uh, and something timeless and, and eternal. It's a picture of our present uh, reality. Because after all, in the New Testament, we are called in the book of 1 Corinthians, temples of the Holy Spirit. Right? It's not something that's isolated to just Israel. It's not just a building on a hill somewhere in a far-off land. It's you personally, specifically, independently. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he has taken up residence within you. And we, too, so often look at others. We look at our friends. We look at our family. We look at our kids specifically, and we want to build their temple, right? We want to build this temple for them. Um, and and it's, it's the same thing that, that I want to do for Miles. I, I look at Miles, and he's 11 months old, and, and already I'm, I'm looking at him and saying, how can I coax you into Christianity? Because I need to get you there, right? I need, I need to get you uh, through the doors and, and build this temple around you. And, and it's something that I felt not just for Miles. It's something that I felt for every high schooler that I've ever worked with. It's something that I've fought with for every year of ministry that I've ever been engaged in. I've wanted to do this thing for them. And, and just to look at them and say, here it is. I've made the decision for you. Look at how simple I've made it for you. Just take it. Just be it. Just live it. It's yours. Now it's, just go. Just get out of here. You're a Christian. And, and, and they, they just look at me and they're, and they're like, what am I doing? What, what, what is, what's, what's happening? And I'm like, stop asking questions. You're a Christian now. Just go live your life. You know, and that, that's what I want to do. And, and it's a wonderful goal. It's, it's a lofty desire. It's utterly impossible. It can't happen. It never will. And, and so the first point on, on, on parenting and on discipleship and on this cross-section of the two uh, is you cannot choose God for them. You can't do it. Um, and, and, and was that hard for some of you to hear? Uh, that's, that's so hard for, for me to accept. It feels as if I've been fighting that my entire life. I, I don't like that. Um, this is really hard for a lot of us to let go of because we want all these people that we encounter to fall in love with Jesus, right? And, and you want to see them grow in their relationship with him and, and move on to uh, maturity and spirituality and authenticity and all of these things. And, and, and we think, oh, I can, I can do it for them. I can build this temple for them. Just say these words after me, and, that, and that's why we love that type of format. You know, just like say a say a sentence. Like, what am I saying? Just shh, shh, just say the words. And they're like, oh, what, am, what what am I what am I giving consent to? And they're like, no, just just believe, and you'll be saved. Everything will be okay. Uh, everything will change. It'll be wonderful. And they're like, what? And you're just like, shh, shh. And they're like, I don't want to do it. Then you're like, just do it. Just 
just be a Christian. You know, and, and, but, but we can't do it. You can't choose God for them. Uh, you, you haven't been called to do that for them. We're not allowed to do that for them. Uh, it can't happen. And God says, you, you want to do this for them and for me, but they have to do this for themselves with me. Right? It's, it's their it's their choice. They're their own person. They have to build their own temple. You can't do it. Right? And each person must undertake the project for themselves. And, and it does, this project begins with that decision. It begins with this decision, this decision to begin construction. Um, and, and construction continues, as David says here in this chapter, through obedience. Right? Through obedience, every day of your life, construction continues. Um, and, and, and every day, it's your choice. It's your choice. Do you want to build up your temple? Do you want to tear down your temple? Do you want to be lax and accomplish nothing? Um, or do you want to intentionally set out to accomplish something? The choice is yours. In obedience, that construction either continues or ceases or it all falls apart. But based on that decision, you determine... Right, for yourself, what your temple will look like. Right, you determine for yourself. I determine for myself. Your children determine for themselves what their temple will look like. Um, and I love uh, David here when he says, this is your decision. Right, This is your project. I know I can't do it for you, but Build a great temple known for its greatness. And I love that because it reminds me of like my writing students, uh, the, the ones that have never used a thesaurus. And, and they write things like, uh, I like good ice cream because it's good and it tastes good and it, it's good when it's hot. It's a good thing to eat. And I'm just like, good God, you know, you need a... You need a thesaurus. Uh, one of my students calls it a theosaurus, and I'm like, it's not a dinosaur, All right, But uh, but you need you need that thesaurus, right? You need to broaden your your vocabulary. But this is this is what David says. He says, build a great temple, known for its greatness, right? If you can set out to do that, right? If you can set out to do anything, why wouldn't you do that? Undertake that as your project, that as your goal. Uh, build that kind of temple. And when you begin to build, build that. Oh, is Miles leaving? Oh, that's a bummer. Okay, Miles, you're going to have to listen to the rest outside. He's like, I'm not listening to you, Dad. Um, but it, here's the thing. I can see fathers uh, picking up lumber. Right? Oh, I should silence that. Could any of you hear that? That's really weird. You know, while I'm, I have my phone in my hand, uh, I got this text from Sam this morning. This is going to probably derail my thought process entirely. <laughs> it's going to be a while before we get back, kids. Um, but, but I wanted to share this with you, and I totally forgot when I got up here. Sam sent me this text this morning, um, and, and he said, You are the voice of light to hearts trapped in darkness. I'm so glad you're speaking. Shine bright this morning. 
he is the sweetest person on the planet, isn't he? It is astounding how good of a man he is. Um, wow, yeah. Anyways, uh, I can, I, going back to the passage, I, I can see fathers picking up you know, lumber and saying, let's build something great together. And then, then you know, God kind of looking at David and saying, he's got to do it by himself, right? But, but this is what I began to think about because uh, growing up, my, my dad's an engineer, or at least he was, he's retired now. A brilliant uh, engineering mind, uh, capable of every, I swear the, the, the man came out of the womb with a slide rule and a skill saw. And I don't even know what a skill saw is, really. I just know that you have to be skilled to use it or something. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, he's, he's an amazing man at building things. Uh, and I remember one day being a kid, and I think my brother was about 10 and I was about 8, and we came to my dad and we said, we want to build a tree house. And my dad said, okay, you know, when I was, when I was 8, I built a tree house. Um, so, you know, go build a tree house. <laughs> And we were like, okay, and we did. And right, this was our project. We had to do it for ourselves. Because after all, the spiritual truth that we're applying here is that you can't do another man's project. You can't complete their temple. And so we set out to build our temple, our edifice for God's glory. Um, And after four hours agonizing over this treehouse, we we called my dad out and and we said, uh, we said, dad, we did it. We built a great tree house known for its greatness. And, and he came outside and it was a single two by four between two flimsy limbs on a tree that sagged underneath our combined weight of about 100 pounds. Um, and we we're just sitting on there just as happy as can be with our, with our tree house, this terrible, god-awful tree house. And he, he took us to this tree on the other side of our property because, uh, you know, this, uh, it, it, my parents' house is the house that's been passed down through generations of Turners. So um, this is the house that my dad grew up in also. So we walked to this tree on the other side of the property, this old, archaic-looking tree. And he pointed up at this tree. And I never even looked up at this tree. You know, I'm a kid. I don't really look up. I just look ahead. It's a kid thing. I'm sure I speak for kids everywhere. Um, and, and so we, we got to this tree, and, and he pointed up, and he's like, uh, when I was eight, 40 years ago, I built that tree house. And, and it was a monument to engineering perfection. I mean, it was, it was a modern marvel. It's still there. Boo, I don't know if you've seen it. It's actually above that, uh, that swinging chair thing that they have out there. That's, that's the tree. It's, it's like a two, it's a multi-leveled, uh, like apartment complex inside a tree. And it has a bridge actually connecting these two parts. That here's the thing, here, that, like that, you build that, like maybe I could build that, all right? I'm, I'm not going to go tooting my own horn, but toot. Uh, maybe I could build that, all right? Maybe. But mine would last for like 12 minutes. 40 years later, his old treehouse was still up there. It was incredible. I mean, it's, it's like something out of Lord of the Rings, like elves were living in those trees. It was, it was astounding. And, and, but, but this, this is the, the and, and he looked at us, and, and he looked at our two-by-four, and he was, you're pathetic. This is, this is not a treehouse. This is, this is a plank in a tree. You're pathetic. And so he, took, he, said, he said, go away. Just go away. I'll take care of it. And, and like two hours later, we came out aside and we had this treehouse. 
that was, I mean, his, his, his skill saw is there. I assume it's a skill saw. All saws are skill saws to me. Um, and, and then he had his drafting board, his slide rule. He had all this stuff out there. And, and it took him only a couple hours. And we had a treehouse that was great and known for its greatness amongst all of our friends. And, and he, incredible. And, and I could see uh, David, you know, going to pick up the labor uh, and, and going to pick up the lumber. Excuse me, not that you don't pick up labor. That'd be very odd and intrusive. You know, you don't want to invade someone's space like that. Um, and he, but he's going to pick up the, the, the lumber, you know, and, and he's going to, to build uh, the, the, this temple. And God just, just looking at him and, and saying, David, just put it down. You can't do it. You can't always control everything. And David just looking, you know, at his son, Solomon, and going, he's a kid. He doesn't know what he's doing. I need to do this for him. And God just saying, listen, David, I'm omnipotent. I'm all-powerful. If anyone could do it, it would be me. But even I can't do it. This is something that the kid needs to do on his own. This is a decision that he needs to make for himself. And through obedience, he will either maintain that decision or abandon that decision. But what his temple ends up looking like is completely up to him. And, and David sets down the lumber and, and he looks at Solomon and he says, Solomon, don't just build a temple. Build a great temple known for its greatness. Boy, do that. You know, don't, don't, just, don't just say a sentence and call yourself a, a Christian. Be a great Christian known for your greatness. Uh, be that that glorious temple, that that place where God can feel comfortable, because after all, it's His house. This place where He can be put on display for for all the nations to see and marvel at His greatness. And, and I want that for you, but I can't do it for you, so I'm releasing control. So our second point. Um, in this uh, parent discipleship uh, thing that's happening now. Uh, he says you can't, or he says, I'm talking, I just third person to myself. You can't choose God for them, but you can make it easy for them. And that's the second point, right? And I think that that's an important point to consider uh, in, in the context of this story. You can't choose God for them, but you can make it easy for them. Temples are not built by accident, right? It just, that doesn't accidentally happen. Uh, And and at this point in the story, I I imagine David years ago telling the prophet that this is what he wants to do. He's like, I want to build this temple. I want to do this uh, for God, but I want to do it for, for my children and for their children and for the world that comes after me, the generations to follow me. And the prophet says, no. All right, your son is going to have to do this for himself. And he holds his son. Right? He holds Solomon. And he loves Solomon. He loves him with, with all of his heart. And he realizes that he can't do this thing for him. And that can be a really helpless feeling. Have you ever been there? I... You know, I, I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet with with Miles. I'm sure I'll arrive there soon. I've felt this way for years in ministry. I remember 
um, teaching a message about eight years ago. Um, and I was standing up and, you know, preaching. Because I used to stand when, when I would preach. But now just using my legs. It sounds terrible. So, <laughs> so I, I sit. Um, but I remember standing up and preaching this message. And I, I looked out in the crowd. And there was, there was a boy, there was a young man. And he was fast asleep. Fast asleep during the message. Right, and and it's a youth group message, so it's not a big crowd, <laughs> right? Like you're falling asleep in a crowd of like I don't know, I think it was 40 people or something that we had there, and it's like I can I can see you, and <laughs> I can see the drool coming from your mouth. <laughs> I don't imagine that you do that normally, <laughs> so you're probably asleep. Um, but but because it was it was a group of 40 kids, I I knew every single one of them. And, and this, was, this was a boy that was just going through incredible turmoil, constant turmoil at home. Um, uh, gang affiliations and, and drug abuse already. He was only 15. And, and I looked out uh, from, from that boy to two girls. And there were these two girls. <clears throat> they were talking. They weren't paying attention at all. Right, which is common for youth group, you know. And but you know, these two girls are just talking and not paying attention. I look at them and I know them, and and they were just these boy crazy girls that had already gained this reputation for their uh, their promiscuity, um, and they didn't understand that that wasn't a good thing. Like they thought that that was a really good thing, and 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 uh, you know, it's just. It, they didn't understand that men didn't respect them. They were just using them. They, they didn't love them. They were substituting love for this sad and unsatisfactory solution. And I, and I looked out, and, and I saw this girl. And she was gothic. <clears throat> and that, that, was, uh, that, that was the persona that she had taken on and just... Uh, you know, dark and, and dreary intentionally, and and uh, she 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 thought that by attaching herself to this social group, that she would belong somewhere. But what she found uh, is that it was just feeding into the void constantly, and she was feeling more alone and more isolated as time went on. And I remember sitting down during that message in utter despair, right in the middle of the message, and telling everyone in that group very honestly and candidly how I felt. I remember just saying, you know, I wish that I could make you see how important this is. I really do. I really wish that you could, that you could realize how essential this is, how important it is. And I'm sure every parent has been there with your kids. Right? You've reached that point. You're just like, I wish that your eyes were opened to the reality of the decisions that you're making. You'd see how great the consequences are that you would choose to be you know, that temple of the Holy Spirit, that he would just flood into you, cleanse you, purify you, fill you, make you whole. I wish that you could see that. 
you wouldn't feel you know, lost and lonely. You wouldn't be sleeping around so that you were accepted you know, socially. And, and you wouldn't be using drugs you know, recreationally. You would realize that, that you are so greatly loved and you were purchased at such a great cost. You know, David realized that there is that there is something that there is something going on here. He said, "I can't I can't do this this for you, but this is what I can do for you." And this is what I really love about this passage: that it isn't a hopeless passage. It isn't something that you look and you go, "I can't change you." That stinks. Let's walk away. Go get some tacos, a Jack in the Box. Which, by the way. Uh, by the by, I said by the why. I don't know why I said that. Uh, I have my Jack in the Box shirt on today, which is fabulous. Linda got me this for my birthday. It's actually made by Jack in the Box. I don't think they made shirts. They do. I'm wearing it. It's fabulous. Um, but 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 he he said, you know, I don't just have to look at you and say, <laughs> that's a, just realize what happened there. Um, <laughs> um, he said, I don't just have to look at you and feel hopeless. I can do something. And what he did is he spent the rest of his life collecting the raw materials that would be necessary for the completion of Solomon's temple. Right? I think that this is a really interesting thing to consider because temples, as I said before, aren't built by accident. Right? They're built because someone took the time to collect what was necessary for that temple to be uh, erected in the life of another. Right? So everything he amassed he could have enjoyed for himself, by himself, was reserved for this work. And I'm going to actually repeat that because I think that's a valuable point. Right? Everything that David amassed in his life that he could have enjoyed for himself, by himself, was reserved for this project, for another person's project. Um, everything was taken into account for the benefit of of another. So let's look at this practically. If I'm blessed, right, if I'm given uh, wealth, maybe, wisdom, maybe, uh, there's some sort of good fortune in my life or spiritual maturity, it wasn't given to me for me. Right? That's an incredible thing to consider. That's not given to me for me to be used by me and enjoyed by me exclusively. It's been entrusted to me to share with others liberally. And that's the whole point of what David did for the entirety of his life. He, 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 he didn't absolve himself of responsibility as soon as God said, David, you can't do it. He said, okay, well, I can't do that, but this is what I can do. I'm going to spend every minute, every day of my life collecting what is necessary for Solomon to have the greatest temple imaginable. I'm going to give everything to him. Everything that is mine, everything that's precious, everything that's good and noble and virtuous, I'm going to collect it and say one day, Solomon, this is yours. You can take it. It's a sacrifice that I'm laying down before you willingly. I'm giving it to you wholeheartedly. And this is at the core of discipleship. Discipleship in a word, parenting in a word, because this is the cross section of the two, is sacrifice. Sacrifice. Everything that you have. Sacrifice, because it supplies for somebody else's temple. 
And, and then here are two uh, tangential points about sacrifice before we move on. Man, I thought that this would be short. What happened? Um, <laughs> uh, as you give out, right, you, you, will, you will get back. Right? And I think that there's something marvelous about this because you, you, you look at a discipleship and pouring out into people's lives and it's like, well, God's blessed me and now I'm going to give it all away. That's a bad idea. You know, because you lose something. But you never lose anything. You get it back immediately. God pours it back into your life. We've become like these receptacles that are filled with, with stagnant water. And God is saying, hey, this is what you do with that water. I haven't given it to you so that you can be all wet. Right? You're supposed to dump that out all over others. Right? And, j- and just be a, a receptacle for his glory that gives away liberally. As you pour out, I will fill you back up. Right? I've given you all this. I've entrusted you with all this so that you can use it to disciple. And here's the second thing. Your investment is an eternal one. Right? So it's valuable to take into consideration that 10 minutes sacrificed from your life could mean eternity for someone else. It's, it's worth that sacrifice. Because it's an investment in eternity. But nonetheless, we've we got to move on. Um, so first, you can't do it for them. Second, you, you can make it easy for them. And finally, you are the blueprint for them. You are the blueprint for them. First John 3.18 says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth exhort with words reinforce with deeds because you are the blueprint for whoever you're discipling and i think that's a valuable thing to take into consideration a lot of people would say no i'm not the blueprint jesus is the blueprint they they, they don't know jesus right they know you so you're the blueprint right? you, we, you need to own that i need to own that we need to own that we are the blueprint for their building project. Uh, David would say, hey, it's time uh, to build the temple, this important temple, this wonderful temple. This is what we're going to do, all for God's glory, because God loves us so richly and extravagantly, and he's worthy and all of this. Uh, And and those were were the words uh, that he said. But then he married all these different wives. And, and, and he would open up his mouth again and he would sing hymns to God, all for the glory of God. And then he would close his mouth and not speak to his son Absalom for years. It led to bitter, bitterness in Absalom. Didn't forgive Absalom. It led to the, the, the boy trying to overthrow his father's kingdom. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here in, in this, this last point. I'm not saying that you need to be perfect because right, nobody is. I'm, I'm pretty close. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. Uh, no one is. But, but I also realize this, right? Little eyes are watching. Those that we disciple, they're taking notes, right? And they will learn what it looks like to be a Christ follower from you and, and from me. And, and listen, and not from what we say, but from what we do. And that's, that's, that's an important distinction to make. Um, I, 
Well, let me say this first. Well, no, I'll say it later. I was discipled, um, uh, albeit informally, by Eric Flores. And many of you know Eric Flores, right? There are few people that say more words per second than Eric Flores. Talks very quickly. He says, like, so much. And it's all, like, very deep and and insightful and, and everything. And there's been times where he's come to visit here. And everyone will have left the building. We're all done. We're all gone. We're all out at Taco Bell or something or, and enjoying ourselves, going on with our lives. And he still hasn't physically left the building because he's been talking to someone. Astounding, the way that dude talks. Um, discipled by him. I can't remember a single word that he has said from a single sermon he has preached. If I had to hazard a guess, I'd say that he probably said Jesus a bunch of times. <laughs> He makes a lot of sound effects when he preaches, so high-pitched, shrill sound effects were probably part of it too, but I can't remember any of it. Do I remember going with him to preach in prison and observing how bold and unashamed he was? Absolutely. Do I remember how he reacted when we got a letter from our drummer saying that Uh, he didn't want to be a part of our band anymore. He didn't want to be our friend anymore because we were both uh, total hypocrites. I remember that too. Do I remember um, how he stepped out in faith and went overseas to serve the Lord in Spain? I absolutely remember that. Now why, when Solomon went to build the temple, did he fill the temple of the Lord with gold for the glory of God? And why, when he went to build his house, did he fill it with wives that led his heart astray? A thousand of them, to be exact. Because it wasn't what his dad said. It was what his dad did that really left a lasting imprint on his life. And so our third and final point is a valuable one. You are the blueprint for those that you disciple. And it's best not to shy away from that. It's best to embrace that and be aware of that. I'd like to end with just one last thought. Um, And it's from verse 10. So if you look back to 1 Chronicles 22, verse 10, this is the goal of discipleship. And God says, he speaking of Solomon, will be my son and I will be his father. And I don't know why I love that so much, but I do. At about two in the morning, I spent about 30 minutes listlessly staring at that sentence, at just, just marveling in God's relational goodness. He will be my son and I will be his father. All the materials are collected, Solomon. The blueprint is before you for building. All that's left is for you to take that step forward. And listen, here's another scary part. It's been a scary message, maybe, I don't know. A step towards God may be a step away from you. That's a scary thing to consider for me. Now, Miles is just starting to crawl. which since he's like going to be 11 months in a few days, I guess he's a little bit far behind. But don't judge my baby. (laughs) Why would you do that? That's just really mean. 
Um, but he's, he's starting to crawl. And uh, he's, he's kind of experimenting with it. And he does this thing where he gets up on his hands and his knees and he kind of rocks back and forth violently. And, and he's, he's, and, 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 but you know what? He's starting to crawl and he needs to, he needs to do this. So I can't intervene, right? I, I, can't, I can't cradle him and, 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 and protect him. He needs to do it. He needs to learn how to do it. And, and that is a step away from me. It's a step away from my control. But it's a necessary step. And occasionally when he's rocking back and forth violently, he'll, he'll lunge forward like Superman. But he's not Superman. And so he, he falls flat on his face and just throw himself forward and then face plant. And then he'll just be sitting there and he'll start looking around the room like, should I cry? And I'm like, yeah, you should. That was terrible. <laughs> that was really, it's really a bad thing that you just did. <laughs> you know? But it, it is horrifying and, it's, and I'm losing control. Um, but, but this is what this sentence is all about. This is between this person and this God. And this is where this person meets this God. It's in this step. It's in this first step. He says, that's where it happens. This is where you become my child. This is where I become your father. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for being a father to us. Lord, you are such a good and gracious father. You never push too hard. You never infringe on our free will. You don't insist on building our temple. You set the decision before us. You set all the raw materials necessary before us. And you invite us to step in to meet you as a child meeting its father. I pray God as we do. Lord, as we fall more in love with you. God, as you pour out upon us, as you pour out into us, Lord, that you would make us the disciplers of many. Lord, that we would accept Lord, this mandate that you set before us to go into all the world to make disciples that we would show them, that we'd share with them, that we would be before them all that you have done within us, all that you've done for us, that they would see love, that they would see grace, that they would see truth, that they would see a father that loves them more than they could ever imagine, and that they would leave all behind and take that first step towards you. Lord, I praise you. Trust all these things into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.